Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show with Janelle and Leslie. I'm Janelle Cameron. Hi there, I'm Leslie Pearson. Today, we're going to talk about the five most asked real estate questions. Welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show with the Janelle Cameron team, the podcast that helps make your real estate dreams a reality. The Janelle Cameron team is your expert source for all things real estate in the greater Toronto area. Whether you're considering a renovation to improve your return on investment, looking at homes for the very first time, or even considering becoming an agent yourself, we've got you covered. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We have um, a good discussion today about the five most asked real estate questions, uh, apparently that are on Google. So, um, before we dive into that, let's just talk a little bit about what's happening in the market. I know, um, Leslie and I were just discussing this before we got, uh, you know, before we started recording and kind of are seeing different things about the market. I was saying from my perspective, things seem like they have picked up a fair bit. Uh, we were hoping the stats would be out today, but they're not out, but I'm dying to see what the stats show because from what I can tell, I'm having a hard time getting in to see things now they're selling too quickly. Yeah, I don't have that experience um, as much as you do. Um, It could be that, um, well, you're you're out and about probably more than I am, but also the buyers that you're currently working with are probably more interested in what more people are interested in. That could be. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. Because there's definitely some stuff still sitting yeah. around. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I seem to be working with clients now that are looking at things that are sitting. Right. And um, Or having a hard time finding anything. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. But not because they're selling quickly, just because they aren't available for sale. Yeah, there. I mean, there is a lot of that too. Yeah. There's just a bunch of crap. Yeah, a bunch of crap is yeah. what it is. It's, it's frustrating. And then occasionally, like I'm looking today at, at uh, one of the neighborhoods I monitor are condos downtown. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm looking today and like, there's some decent deals out there. Mm-hmm. Like I just saw one, um, I'm not you know, even sure if I'm allowed to just throw out these what? addresses without permission per se, not that we're, you know. You are. Yeah, but I just saw one at 211 St. Patrick, which is yeah. a great location. 1.2 for this place, it's almost 1500 square feet maintenance fees are decent they're under 1100 which include everything and it is so nice mm-hmm. it's such a nice unit Did that that just came out today yeah i'm just i'm just looking at it i'm thinking like who wouldn't buy that mm-hmm. like if you're looking for you know a condo in that in that uh Do you have area. anyone for it no mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's the problem i find too is like all my clients they want they want stuff i i can't get them yeah or that's what i'm feeling I find this really weird. Like I've got people who, a lot of people who, whose uh, affordability has been reduced. So now they only can afford, you know, 700,000 instead of 900,000. And so, and this is just an example, but it's hard to get stuff in that, right. in that range. Right. Yeah. And then the people in the kind of the higher range, they seem to be the ones that are just waiting for, for something. So, right. but you know, anyway, having said all of that, um, I think there are some deals Mm -hmm. to be had. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. So, okay, let's get, let's talk about, this would be kind of fun. I thought the um, five most Googled questions about real estate, uh, apparently, Um, there actually is a really 
cool website that um, talks about all the most Googled questions about real estate. It's not particular to Canada, but there's some funny things on there. I'll have to show it to you sometime. Mm -hmm. but, um, but in our world and in terms of Canadian real estate, these are the questions that everyone's asking. And I apologize in advance because some of these things we've talked about before. Uh, but nonetheless, we're going to talk about them again. Mm -hmm. um, so number one question, how much more are prices in the GTA going to drop? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's what's on everybody's mind. And that seems to be what we talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. How do you answer that question? Uh, exactly. Yeah. And who the hell knows? Right. Um, everybody has their own answer to that. Um, all we can report on and all we do report on is the stats. So we know um, at this time, you know, last month we had an uptick in in the month of, of uh, you know, prices basically were coming down from March. Mm -hmm. And then August came and prices went up a little bit. Yeah. If prices go up a little bit again in September, then I think we can call that a bit of a trend, right? Like if it's one month, it's maybe a fluke. If it's two months... It looks like something's starting to happen. You know, three months, yeah, I think we've got something going. So we have to see. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. Um, we just have to wait and see what uh, what unfolds over the next couple of days. Yeah, and what we always say is, you know, to when anybody professes to know what's going to happen, mm -hmm. to take that information with a grain of salt. Like, consider the source. Absolutely. And consider the motivation. And that, you know, as Janelle has said, that really all we can... All we can say definitively is what's just happened definitively. That's right. Those stats and yeah. um, and watch them closely and see maybe where things are going based on that. But but really, even then, you're looking behind. You're looking yeah. backwards. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. We nobody knows. I had I had an interesting conversation with buyers of mine the other day, and he said they were interested in looking at a couple places, and they they sold right away. And he said, I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense. He was angry, right? Not at me, just in general. He's like. I don't, this doesn't make any sense. You know, everyone's talking about the market crashing. Interest rates are going up again. Why are things still selling? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, right now we don't have any inventory. So the stuff that's been left behind um, is starting to move. People still have to buy. Right. But it doesn't make any sense. I said, well, it doesn't. But, you know, you have to think also, we're always going to have a supply problem in this city. So no matter what happens, um, we have something like 1.2 million people immigrating into the city over the next year well they need housing right so it's always going to be the case where we don't have enough supply mm -hmm. um and right now we don't have very many buyers but we have even less sellers so we're back into a bit of a supply problem right from what i can tell yeah so i can understand his frustration because his experience was not reflecting what he was reading and hearing about right and uh yeah that must be difficult to go through yeah um you know, but it, so it's impossible to predict. We don't know. We might be seeing the bit of a positive trend. I agree with you. Um, but, you know, there's, uh, even if you're unable to predict what might happen in the future, it still makes so much sense to buy now. Yeah. Like, no, mat no matter what the answer to that question is. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I the think only way you're going to know that prices have, kind of gone down and are turning up as if they're already turning up. Exactly. So, you yeah. know, it's possible we've missed that boat. Exactly. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Might have been that July was the time to do it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I don't, I just don't see, and I might be so immersed in it that I'm blinded, but I just don't see catastrophic no. drops in value. No, I don't. I don't. Not, not from what I'm seeing this not week. Not worth postponing your purchase. No. I, that, that's the part of it that doesn't make sense right. to me. Yeah. You know, um, you know, act now, we, we think they're going to be, there's going to be more interest rate increases and we think there's going to continue to be t- supply issues. So why put off for a um, potential further decline in prices when you could buy now? Like, to me, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense either. Is the savings going to be, are there going to be savings in doing that? Right. And I don't know that there are. No, I think if you really lay out the math, yeah, what you're saving in 10 or 20,000, if, if that if that were the case, and I don't think it necessarily is, probably won't equate to the interest rate right. hike, right? Right. No, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, okay, so next question people want to know all the time, and this is regardless of any market, is how much do I need for a down payment? Right. Yeah. Um, and that depends for you. Um, and you know, we're not mortgage advisors, so you really need to talk to a lender to get your particular financial situation analyzed. That's the first thing you have to do when you're thinking about buying. Yeah, right away. Is, is, yeah. is talk, get pre-approved, talk to someone who specializes in that and get your answer for you specifically. As I would say, the people I deal with, well over 50% of them are mistaken about what they can afford until, and then they talk to their broker and they go, oh, I didn't realize I could either spend more or less, but no one's ever right. Is it usually? They, they can- I, I think it could be either. I think a lot of times it's more, but a lot of times these days it's less. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had people recently who thought they had a million dollars to spend and it turns out they have 800. Like that's a huge difference, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you have to find out, they're going to look at all kinds of things. They're going to look at your income really is number one. Yeah. Of, among all things, they're going to look at your debt ratio, you know, how much money you have uh, that you owe. They're going to look at obviously the purchase price. If it's a condo, they're going to look at the maintenance fees. They're going to look at, um, property taxes, all of that stuff, your credit score, uh, you know, the, and they, put it all together. And then they say you can afford this amount. And based on that, you need this amount of a down payment, right? Because everybody's down payment could be different. Some people are okay with 10%. Some people need to put down 25%. Mm-hmm. You know, it really, it depends on your, your, uh, the, the totality of your financial picture. How about that? Yes, exactly. That's mm. right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, talk to your lender and just, you know, make sure you understand. I, I, I think a good rule of thumb is always to try to save 10%, try to save 10% and then analyze from there. Um, because, uh, you know, you might need a little bit more depending on your circumstance. If you're self-employed, for example, you might need to put down more than, than you would if you have a solid steady income. Um, and also the other thing to remember is that, um, it could really change month by month. So once you lock into something, you're locked into a rate and a and mm-hmm. a commitment with the mortgage lender of right. how much down payment, et cetera. Um, and so if you let that slide and you decide to revisit it six months later, it could be different. Is that what happened to your 800 versus a million people? Nope, they were just oh. way off. Oh. Yeah. 
I wondered if it had been any changes in what had been going on. No, nope, just had no idea. They they didn't realize they were so right. So it needs to be the first step. It needs to be the first step, always the yeah. first step. Because, you know, it's not fun going and looking at houses that it ends up you can't afford. That's uh, not right. It's, it's demoralizing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you want to be able to, uh, you know, start your search, actually looking at houses with some... Um, reality and with some education and yeah. you know to know what you can afford yeah yeah so uh, yeah I think it's the first it's always the first thing to do yeah um, I mean I think you can you know there are you can uh, I think that you know in some situations you can buy with five percent down I think, I think you can even buy with nothing down with private lenders but you know you got to give your head a shake and and really think things through really think things through that's right yeah because if you're not familiar with the mortgage structure here, there's, you know, mortgage insurance if you mm-hmm. have less than 20% down. So that ends up being, you know, it's not a huge sum of money, but it can add, yeah, add definitely. up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and I think if you want to get in with something that's a little cheaper and therefore less of a down payment, uh, you know, that might be a better way to go and then, you know, revisit that in a couple of years right and uh maybe sell it and buy something else but um yeah i you know 10 percent aiming for is probably a good rule of thumb for most people um and then if it's less or yeah. more that's and then you know concentrate on um doing whatever you can to maintain your um mortgage worthiness mm-hmm. so you know don't go out and buy a car yes good lord like uh, think of your credit think of your yeah. employment don't yeah. just quit your job yeah like yeah i mean these sound like no-brainers but oh people, people do, do it do all it. the time yeah. so if you're serious <laughs> yeah. and you uh have every intention of buying uh, look at the factors that affect your um financing and and make sure that you continue to work to to keep them strong exactly mm-hmm. Uh, another um, question that everyone asks is asking right now is what kind of mortgage should they get? Right. Variable or fixed? How long of a term? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, I preface this by saying we're not mortgage lenders. So you really need to talk to your lender and determine what works for you. Yeah. Every situation is different every situation everybody's, is different everybody's situation is different it comes so. down to a comfort level for a lot of people yeah and um, your risk profile your risk profile your you know. goals and objectives mm-hmm. and your life situation yeah mm-hmm. that's right you know um and i mentioned this because i'm self-employed but for self-employed people sometimes you know there's even other types of products that you can have that may be um, more conducive to getting lump sums of money, for example. Um, for some people, they just need to know exactly what they're paying every month and right. trying to pay it down as that's soon as all possible. That matters, yeah, yeah that would be a different product. So, um, you know, it's hard for me even to give an opinion on this just because I think everyone, everyone has a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Historically, variable rates have been better. For people over the long term, people have saved money with a variable rate, but it comes with risks. Right. Yeah. Remember, though, if you ever do get into a variable rate, you can always, uh, you know, change that and become a fixed, buy buy into a fixed product at any time. So, um, but again, talk to your lender about it and just sort of determine what works for you. I agree. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question. I, I find this interesting because I, I get this all the time. Uh, people want to buy an investment property and they want to know how much they need in order to do that. There seems to be, um, a bit of a, a, a bit of misconception. I think that anybody can buy an investment property with as long as you have the down payment, but it's not the case when you're purchasing an investment property, they are really going to analyze your income Mm -hmm. and credit, et cetera, because at the end of the day, you have to be able to pay for the investment property if there are no tenants in there. And so that's really what they look like, look at is, um, you know, a vacancy rate, um, type of situation. So if there's no tenant there, can you still afford it? And I think that people think when they're buying an investment property that tenants are going to be there. Of course they can afford it. All they need is the down payment. And it turns out that they can. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I do know for sure is that for everybody I've ever talked to, and I don't think there's any exception on the, although I might be wrong, you need a minimum of 20% down uh, to buy a second property, whether it's investment or not. So a second property, you need a minimum of 20%. Now, Important to note, you can't borrow that money. Some people think they'll be able to borrow the 20% and get the mortgage. You need to have that liquid mm-hmm. and be able to put that down and all your fees, closing fees, land transfer tax, et cetera. You have to have that liquid money available so that... Um, even to be considered. Even to be considered. Mm-hmm. And then they'll run all that other information. Um, you know, what's the vacancy potential? What are the rents going to look like? Assuming it's an investment property, what is your income? What is your credit score? All that stuff we've already talked about. And they're going to roll into that and tell you yes or no. And this is what you can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, so this applies to, um, second, all second properties. So it's not just investment properties. If that's I right. If I going to buy a cottage, it's the same. It's thing? the same. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So does that make it Like, I wonder what the rate of refusal is. Does it make it very hard? I think it's harder than people think. And I think largely that's because I don't, I think people underestimate the power of income. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's really the golden ticket. And, and, you know, again, if you're self-employed, you probably need to put down more than 20% and self-employed income may look different than a regular income because, you know, write-offs and and various things like that. So you're, if you're looking at someone's income who has like a regular job from a company or whatever, they look at your gross income. Right. If you're looking at a self-employed person's income, they're looking at your net income. Right. So that does cause some problems for people who... You know, I had, yeah, it's kind of like a catch 22. It kind of is. And I, and it's, I, I'm dealing with a woman right now who, um, who has, uh, she's like in investments loosely and her self-employed income shows very little because she right. writes everything off, right. which is to her benefit. Right. But now she can't get a mortgage. For yeah. So these are things that I think you really, mm-hmm. you have to think about. Right. So, um, yeah, just keep that in mind. Like there's, again, talking to somebody before you jump in. But I would say from, from an investment standpoint, I'm amazed at how many people come to me and say, I want to buy an investment property. Well, have you been pre-approved? Well, no, I can afford it. Like there's this really understanding that, well, how much do you need? On what basis do they think they can afford it? I think because they think that tenants are going to be in there and they're going to pay for the, for the mortgage. And they don't understand. I was like, well, you need 20 or 25% cash, cash. I need that. You know, yeah, yeah. So it's a, you know, 150,000. What? 
you know, so it's really hard. I mean, not everybody has that kind of, you know, money kicking around or whatever, you know, depending on what mm-hmm. it is that they want to buy. So mm-hmm. just, just things to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then the final question, and this is, this is interesting. This, this is something that is a question that is universally asked around, not just Canada is all these people thinking about getting into the real estate profession. How much money do I make? Can I make as a real estate agent? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or related, uh, is how much does it cost me to use you as a real estate agent? I get that a lot as well. I get that a lot too. But, uh, so how much money can you make as a real estate agent? Yeah. People want to know in terms of going into this profession, how much money they think they're going to make. Yeah. That's a, it's a tough question. And, and, um, again, I'm amazed how many people ask this, but, um, maybe fewer now. I hope, I'm hoping we have a little bit of a, you know, a, a people getting out of the industry. Yeah, in you know, market. and that's, or at least maybe uh, not as many coming into it as an easy fix. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I think people thought it was just really easy money. So I, the stat that I've always heard is that somewhere between 85 to 90% of people don't make it past the first two years. Mm-hmm. So that just gives you a good example of how many people are not successful at all. And there's lots of different reasons for that. Mm-hmm. So it's not a career that's for the faint of heart, for sure. Um, you have to work hard. You have to, you know, you have to work hard. Mm-hmm. And so um, how much money you can make, I think that the ceiling is probably unlimited if right. you are good at it. Yeah, it, it you, all depends and it all depends on you and how hard you can yeah. make it as much as you as you want. That's right. Or as little as you want. But the average income in the city of Toronto for the past five years, I think, was 20000 because people can't sell anything. Yeah. They do a few rentals, they get out of the game. Yeah, and I think there's a, a lot of part-time real estate agents. There are a lot of a lot part-time. Of people getting their license because they thought saw it as some easy extra money while they continue to do something else. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, kind of hold their licenses to do their own personal real estate business. So I think that uh, there's a lot of that going on, and maybe that's where people will stop doing it. I think, yeah, and realize that in order to to really make it worthwhile, you it has to be a full time occupation, and you have to put everything you can into it. Yeah, you got to work yeah. at it for sure. Yeah. But it's certainly, I mean, the the way I get asked that question all the time is, you know, sometimes uh, when you work with buyers in particular, you know, it can take a very long time for a buyer to find a place. Yes. Uh, But sometimes it's like very fast and very little work. And in that case, you know, you know, I often get people saying, well, you're making so much money and it happened so fast and you you didn't have to show us, you know, 25 properties. And I'm like, so, (laughs) you know, yes, we were successful. You would have liked it to have taken longer. Right. Um, Same with sellers, right? Well, that yeah. was so easy. Yeah. It's like, well, we could have made it harder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I never really understood that. No. But, um, you know, we, I don't know also if people understand that real estate agents don't make money unless a transaction, you know, successfully closes. Yeah. So all that time um, taking those buyers who uh, take a long time and don't find the right property very quickly, um, we're working for free on the um, 
assumption that it's going to end well. That's right. But it doesn't always. Oh, no, it doesn't. People can lose their jobs. People can change their minds. And we have worked all that time uh, with nothing financial out of it for us. So, right. And that happens more than, than people think. And I think people don't realize. Sometimes people... I mean, people aren't stupid, but they don't give it any thought, I think, yeah. to, to how, why and when we get paid. That's right. Um, and that's a good point, because when we talk about how much money you make as a real estate agent, you really have to consider all of those things, your expenses, your gas money for driving around and showing people all those places, mm-hmm. your time, right? If we were paid by the hour, right. you know, it, right. what would that equate to? So everyone... Everybody looks at a percentage and they're focused on that. And, um, you know, it's true. They're generally what we make is a percentage of the sale price. But out of that percentage, you know, we're all affiliated with brokerages. We have to pay, you know, they get a percentage of it. We don't get that whole entire amount. I don't think people think of that. And then, as you say, there are so many expenses involved, you know, more so clearly in helping people sell, but um, helping people buy as well. Yeah, yeah. Just the price of gas these days is enough to, mm-hmm. yeah. Because sometimes, you know, you drive these, some people look at houses for a hobby. And so you're right. driving them around. I've got some people, right. I'm, in, I'm in the third year. I have fallen into that trap. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think that some people um, may start to th- lose track of uh, the fact that this is what we do for a living this is how we feed our kids or in our cases now put our kids to university Mm -hmm. and they if they get to really like you and feel comfortable with you and value your input they kind of start to see like that you're just a a friend on an outing with them that's right and you have to be (laughs) really careful like like dating that you don't get the like slipped into the friend zone that's right (laughs) yeah exactly um but i also have another question related to this that i i find uh surprising is that buyers uh i i sometimes get asked well how much how much does it cost me to use you yeah yeah Yeah. so that's that's all related to the how much do you make issue and you know the answer you might give to that is that um you know at, at working with you to help you find a place to buy you don't pay me there isn't a charge there isn't a a fee we get paid uh, um based on your successful purchase of a home mm-hmm. and only only when it successfully closes and there are you know there's a gap between you buy and when it closes and all kinds of problems can come in even if you've bought something we could end up not getting paid mm-hmm. um so only when a transaction successfully closes do we get paid mm-hmm. and we get paid out of the proceeds of the sale of the house so there isn't a separate distinct fee mm-hmm. to use uh, an agent to help you buy yeah so why wouldn't you yeah so why wouldn't you yeah. if you're working to sell your house you negotiate with your agent that you're using to help you about the compensation mm-hmm. and uh, the compensation that you negotiate is um for yourself as a selling agent and what you're going to offer to the buyer's agent who's successful in buying the property. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't like saying there's no charge to you because we get paid. Yeah. But you're not paying the charge. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you are indirectly by buying the property. If you didn't buy it, we wouldn't get paid. But there isn't a, you have to pay me expense. $500 an hour kind of thing. That's right. Exactly. Which people think there is sometimes. Yeah, sometimes they're not aware. I think in maybe different parts of the world, it does I operate think so. that way. And yeah. maybe that's why we're getting that question. And I do, as an aside, wonder if we're headed in that direction mm-hmm. where 
sellers pay for the sale, buyers pay for mm-hmm. the buy. Yep. It does sort of make sense, but yep. we're not there yet. Yep. Seller pays for everything at this yep. point. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of works out because seller pays commission, buyer pays land transfer tax. So the, the two things sort of, if the buyer had to pay land transfer tax and commission. Yeah, that's true. I it never would thought be, of that. Yeah. It would be. Yeah. Prohibitive. For they sure. would never do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that would be too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway. Okay. Well, hopefully that's been helpful. And uh, next week we'll have the stats. So they'll be a little old by the time we report them, but what can you do? You'll have heard them probably, but our we break it down. around them are, are really valuable. Riveting, riveting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. Well, you know how to reach us if you need uh, anything or you have any questions, so please do so. And make sure you're following us on our social channels, which is at the Janelle Cameron team. And in the meantime, we wish you happy real estate. Happy real estate, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed the Toronto Real Estate Show with the Janelle Cameron team. But more importantly, we hope you feel better informed and enthusiastic about your real estate future. We know buying and selling can be stressful, so let us help. If you're looking for hands-on support in the greater Toronto area, the Janelle Cameron team from Remax Hallmark Realty is ready to assist. Visit JanelleCameron.com. That's J-E-N-E-L-L-E Cameron.com. Or dial 416-486-5588. Join us again next week as we deliver more content to help you reach your real estate dreams.